0: Hey guys, welcome. It's another episode of the Find You Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Pinkham. You can find me on all social media platforms at Lee Pinkham. And now you can find the podcast on Instagram at Find You Fitness Podcast. So be sure to give us a follow there. I've got a great one for you all today. Recovery is a huge buzz topic going around nowadays in the health and fitness realm. You know, more professionals are talking about how essential it is. You're seeing your favorite Instagrammer talk about how important it is to recover and Of course, they can take things to the extremes and get massages every single week and uh, utilize things like Theraguns and tools and stuff like that. Uh, But it's definitely been a shift in what we're used to. We're very much used to the let's work hard, no days off mentality. And now we're kind of seeing a change in that and saying, hey, you know, you need to make sure you recover and maximize recovery. Um, Now, of course, we have people taking that to crazy extremes. but. Before we really get into all of that, we need to make sure we address a few big rocks that most people aren't addressing when it comes to recovery. It's not flashy. It never really is, to be honest. And If you've been listening to this podcast since the start or you know me in person, you know that any of my advice is never flashy. It's just the stuff you don't want to do, but you have to do. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that in today's episode. So Remember, guys, if you want that Find You Fitness sticker, uh, shoot me a DM and I can get one Right out to you. Other than that, uh, enjoy the episode. Anybody can work hard, but the best have the discipline to recover. Depending on how in tune you are with the history of fitness, you may know how people viewed recovery from workouts. I think the initial view on resistance training was that it wasn't really necessary for strength and growth. And then after a while, people, especially athletes, started to realize that maybe it was beneficial, but There was no real rhyme or reason to how to go about it. It was hitting some weights and smoking a cigar at the same time. You never would see that today. I get that we didn't really realize how bad tobacco was for us, and maybe one day we'll be looking back on how we sip on sugary drinks mid-workout without a care in the world and realize that that was actually pretty stupid that we did that. Who knows? And I often wonder about things like that. You know, What are we going to look back on in 20 years or 10 years or whatever and say I would have never guessed that this or that would have happened, that this would have been bad for us or whatever. To this day, guys, there are so many things about the body, we have no idea how they work. It, that's scary. It's it's really cool, and I guess it gives a ton of people jobs because, well, we only have one body and we need to make sure we understand it the best that we can, uh, but it, it's it's kind of scary at the same time. But anyways, so once people started realizing how impactful resistance training really was, I think it went through a hardening phase. You know, the super gritty, hardworking, big dudes who train their asses off every single day. That's still a thing today, but I think back in the day when it came about is where the importance of recovery sort of got lost. Resting was for pansies. You either put up or you get the hell out. And, and don't get me wrong, I love this attitude. I think that to a certain extent, we need to get back to it. And I'm going to sound like every 40 plus year old man when I say this, but I believe it. I think that we're getting weaker as a society. We're making more excuses and complaining about shit that we shouldn't be complaining about. However, there are extremes to both sides. There are a huge chunk of people that don't take rest days, ever. They work themselves into the ground. Those will be some of the people who could really benefit from this episode. I know guys that train hard 7 days a week, you know, so they never take a day off and they're fine for a bit. But after a while it gets to them. And then also, know guys that train seven days a week but know how to properly manipulate the volume, intensity, and frequency variables in their workouts. So they'll never, they never need a day off. They never need to take a day off. I think that both of these examples are just a small, small percentage of folks. Out. I think that the majority of people are taking a little too much advantage of the term recovery. These are the people that are not getting after it like they should and using the, uh, I just need a day off trick to make it seem okay in their minds. Sometimes you actually do need a day off. You've been training hard or you work or, you know, have school and it's gotten stressful. Your mental state is in the tank and you need to recover. That's where recovery is essential. Not because you're telling yourself, oh, man, I'm tired. I need a day off. And it's just kind of an excuse because you just don't feel like trying that day. Being able to distinguish when you actually need the recover versus when you actually just need to say okay dude you're, you're bullshitting yourself let's get to it um, it's difficult but it's something that you need to learn as far as athletes who understand that and practice that if they need to there is a different topic for them i see it in the crossfit space the most the importance of recovery days crossfit does this thing where Thursdays and Sundays are rest days. The idea is that if you train hard Monday through Wednesday, you get Thursday off or it's a light recovery day and then you hit it hard again Friday and Saturday and you get Sunday off for pure recovery. The Sunday recovery day is just as important as the training day. Typically, this is purely a stretching day or yoga or getting a massage and re- or relaxing. Um, for example, with the programming that I do, I like to train six days a week with one of the six days being solely cardio. It's usually low intensity. And then there's one day I take fully, I just take off from the gym completely. If I'm just too beat from that week's training, I'll take that cardio day off. There's a lot of play here. And I think the more knowledgeable you are with your body and the more self-aware you are, you, you begin to realize this. And one thing about as far as training goes, you know, I like to train six days a week. And since I started uh, at Palmer College Chiropractic, I'm in class 35 hours a week. And that's not including study time or anything like that. So needless to say, I have to be very particular about how I train in the gym. And when I was looking at my schedule last quarter, I noticed that Wednesdays were my longest days. I went from 7.30 to 4.30 with, I think, just an hour break in there. And that one break was designed to uh, be for the club hour. So you go and you go practice in a club. It's it's low stress. It's supposed to be pretty easy. So didn't really have an hour break. So I went all day long straight and then I needed to study and be prepared for the next day uh, of lecture. Well, what I realized was, you know what, I'm going to make Wednesday my new Sunday and I'm going to take this day off completely. And so I mixed up my training completely and it just kind of made me realize, you know what, a lot of people work Monday through Friday, eight to five, oh, and then we take like the weekends off from working out too. So we'll work out Monday through Friday, and then we'll take Saturday and Sunday off. Why not take two of your hardest days off during the week? You know, you where you know you'll be the busiest, or you know you have the most meetings, or whatever the case may be, and train Saturday and Sunday. That way, as soon as you're done with work, you get to go home and you know do your thing. Now that's going to depend on how you work out, if. You know, you do CrossFit, they may not have classes uh, on Sundays, um, you know, or your gym may have limited hours on the weekends, or you may do things with your families on the weekends. But that's not to say you couldn't get up an hour, you know, 6, a.m. or whatever and and train. There's a lot of play here, but it's just something to think about. It's so standard to train Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday and take Sundays off. But I basically, you know, I started mixing it up and I would actually take Wednesdays off and I would have my cardio day on Saturday and I would train Sunday. So it, I had the whole day to do what to, to get my training done. And that was very nice because what I find that typically on Sundays, when it's purely a recovery day, I just do nothing. <laughs> I may work on stuff for the podcast or um, social media and trying to get content out to you guys. Uh, I do like to stay busy in that way. But for the most part, I don't really do a whole lot of anything. Uh, so I found that at making that Sunday an actual training day was actually super helpful. So there's a lot of play here. Now, as more athletes, and you see it on social media really the most, because that's where we're exposed to them the most, they, they're coming out and they're stating the importance of recovery. You, you see it because of that, you see it trickle down to the general public. If If an athlete takes rest days, then I should too, right? It, it and it's crazy the impact of that that elite athletes have on the average joe. If they say something about how to train or recover, we're probably going to try to mimic it 100%. Good or bad, right? If it worked for them, ideally it'll work for us. Um unfortunately there's a there's a bad side to that where your favorite insta fit girl who is just blessed with an amazing body and maybe she did work for, you know, to get to a certain extent, but there are some people out there that just, they just got it going on aesthetically and they don't have to train, uh, as hard or as particular specific as you do. And, uh, I see this on, on Instagram all the time. I almost search for it because it, I just like to feel like I'm in the know with what is wrong with the society or with the industry, I should say. Um, but I see them posting things about, you know, how they should do deadlifts and the common one with the deadlift that I see nowadays is, is a girl setting up and they set up as a sumo deadlift, but they drop down into a freaking squat to pull the bar up. And of course the camera's from behind. And of course they're wearing some like Gymshark or athlete leggings. So their butt pops out and you know, all these people are liking it. And then all these girls want to do it and mimic it. All these guys want the girls to do it and mimic it so they can see the videos of the girls, butts and it's, it's really sad. It's really frustrating that, you know, that's even a thing. Uh, but if, if you're someone and you have seen that video, the, the purpose of the deadlift is not to drop down into a squat and then pull it up. If you want to do that, then maybe you should do like front squats. I guess that'd be the closest thing to mimic that. Or, uh, like, you know, uh, yeah, probably, probably front squats, uh, but the deadlift is a hip hinge movement. So you shouldn't really be dropping down into a full squat to uh deadlift the bar. That's not the point of the movement, but uh, I guess if you want to get a bunch of likes on Instagram, that's what you need to do. So that, that is the uh, downside, I guess, to the influence that, you know, ath- I guess athletes and really, you know, Insta famous people have on us, but the, the upside, you know, when they, when they spit out good information and this is things like recovery, you know, we want to mimic it and uh, we're going to do whatever, we, whatever it takes to, to mimic it. So not only is that one or two days of recovery incredibly important, but how you're recovering during your training days as well. And that's really the meat of this week's episode. What are you doing during your training days matters just as much. If someone comes to me and they're dragging around because they're absolutely beat from their workouts, I ask two questions. How is your nutrition and how is your sleep? If you're not sleeping for six to eight hours, that's all we're going to talk about is your sleep. We can't discuss anything else really. Sleeping is so, so important. The quality of your sleep is too. Most of you probably do not track the quality of your sleep. That's going a step further. Uh, so we're not going to dive too much into that, pod, in, in, into that in today's podcast, but there are a lot of great great apps out there that help you track the quality of your deep sleep, your REM sleep, and, uh, I believe that if you wear your Apple watch at night, it can tell you the quality of your sleep. If you have a, you know, a few apps downloaded, I've tried it a few times and it was cool, I guess, but I thought I found that it was just more uncomfortable to sleep with my watch on and maybe I should have turned it, uh, so it's facing inwards. I don't know, but it was kind of just frust- It was kind of frustrating to use. So I stopped doing it, but, uh, so if you're someone that has some good recommendations for that, shoot me a DM and I'll be sure to, uh, shout it out on the podcast as a good recommendation or a good app for you guys to use. So anyways, let's say, you know, if you're not sleeping well, which is a very common rebuttal, right? Then there's some things that you need to address. And the first one I usually go for is caffeine. You know, when do you stop consuming caffeine for the day? I like to say that if you're struggling to sleep, stop drinking caffeine by 12 p.m. If you're struggling to sleep. Now, for me, I don't struggle to sleep. I, I really don't. I I sleep great through the night. Now, I notice that if I consume caffeine after 4 p.m., I do struggle to sleep. And that's kind of my deadline. I set the rule for for uh 4 p.m. And make sure, guys, it's not just coffee. I mean, caffeine and coffee are the most common that's most commonly associated with the, each other, but a lot of drinks have caffeine in it. So if you're not really aware of your caffeine consumption and you drink a you know a variety of drinks throughout the day, uh, sodas or you know water or a monster energy drink, check those things. They have caffeine in it. And so uh, make sure that you're not consuming caffeine. I would say post 12 pm if you really want to get better sleep. And then the second thing and concerning to your sleep is your screen time. Now, I'm sure you guys have all heard about blue light and blue blocking, blue light blocking glasses and whatnot. You know, staring at screens, it exposes this blue light to our eyes, which we are exposed to all of the time, screens or not. Excuse me. So the the deal with this blue light is it it suppresses uh, a hormone called melatonin more than any other type of light. And melatonin is a hormone that you've probably heard of, and you might have some melatonin uh, to help you sleep at night. But it's a hormone, it's it's mostly known for controlling your circadian rhythm, which is basically, uh, it helps basically control your sleep-wake cycles. Okay, so when your melatonin is up, then theoretically you're going to be sleepier, or you're going to be tired or asleep, right? Um, so what this blue light does this, this blue light affects that circadian rhythm. And when we're exposed to that blue light, which is, from it does come from the sun, it suppresses that melatonin and it kind of says, hey, it's time to take on the day, right? So think about more in our primal days where the sun rose, we woke up. And if you think about it as the sun rose, our this, this blue light uh, ra- rose, raised, I guess, raised, rose, I don't know, raised. Our uh, levels of melatonin, or sorry, suppress the levels of melatonin. That way we could go about our day. And then as the sun set at night, this melatonin uh, went up. I guess now it, it raises, <laughs> whatever the term is there, uh, and helps you fall asleep. Well, the thing is, is with this blue light is it's constantly emitting this blue light from your screens. And as it emits that blue light, that suppresses that melatonin. And makes it struggle for you. It makes it a struggle for you to fall asleep. So that's one of the next things that that I uh, that I talk about is when are you putting the screens down? And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but you know, with uh, iPhone, I don't know about Android, uh, but with iPhones nowadays, you have uh, a Screen Time app, and it tells you how many how many hours a day you're on the screen. And then you also have a bedtime app. And the bedtime app will turn off all notifications. It'll turn on a uh, a less harsh light um, onto your phone. And my guess in the, into that is it kind of uh, decreases the blue light being emitted, but I would imagine that some is still being emitted because it is a screen. And um, it just turns off your notifications, basically telling you to get the hell off your phone at night. <laughs> and these are the two things that I really, really try to address with people if they say they're struggling sleeping, and if you are someone that you probably are on a screen late at night, and if you are struggling to sleep, my biggest piece of advice is cut the screens off a few hours before bedtime, and if you really want to get specific, cut it off at sunset, and uh, right now, unfortunately, that's like 5, 5.15, but you could say maybe two to three hours before bed, then that'll put you cutting the screens off maybe like seven or eight o'clock. And this is one of the situations and this is not the uh, this is not the solution that most of you probably want to hear. You know a lot of my I remember a lot of my older clients, they had trouble sleeping. you know they toss and they turn and they wake up throughout the night. And what happens is they start to think that this is just a way of life, but it's not guys, it's not. And that's kind of what I want to get across, get across to everyone. Pretty much everything is in our control. Okay. We just have to believe in the process of fixing it. And I, I know that sounds so freaking like anti medicine and anti everything, but guys, We live, we live in a society that is very, I don't want to, I mean, medicine kind of runs us. Okay. And I don't have a problem with medicine. If I had a, if I had a problem and I needed medicine, a serious problem, maybe from some, you know, traumatic event or, uh, something that unfortunately happened to me, like a cancer or something, I, I would want to get the best treatment possible. And I would be taking and consuming medicine to help fix that. Now, when it comes to things that we can fix on our own, let's say like sleep or, uh, you know, certain pains and aches throughout the body, then why not try to fix that by making smarter decisions, (laughs) I guess, so to speak. And it's not, you know, that sounds, it's easier than it sounds, um, but I'm sorry, it's not easier than it sounds, it's harder than it sounds, but uh, it is something that you can do. And pr- so pretty much everything we can do is in our control. We just have to believe in that process. I, I consider myself very in tune with my body. And-, and I can tell when my sleep has been lacking. If I sleep for less than six hours a night, I'm definitely going to be a-, a zombie the next day. And I'm sure some of you are like six hours, man, man, I'm lucky if I get six hours of sleep, but I could maybe get away with it if I weren't training uh, you know, five, six days a week. Uh, where you and I, and I just want to bring it into my training sessions. I want to try as be, the best I can, but it definitely impacts me the second I drop below six hours. Uh, everyone's going to be different there. Everyone, you know, for you, your odds might be five hours. I notice that if I sleep for too long, I'm sluggish the next day. So uh, yeah, it's a fine balance to be had, and you can't always uh, make it the best. But sleep is incredibly important, guys. And so if those are the two big things to sum up that long-winded answer, I guess. Uh, cut the caffeine by 12 p.m., and then as far as the screen time, turn the screens off two to three hours before bed. And I can give you guys a talk. I can I can tell you if you really want it. If you really want to sleep better, cut the damn phones off. Cut the TV off. Cut the iPad off. Cut Netflix off two to three hours before bed. Light a candle. Read a book. Do something different that you used to do when you were a kid before all this shit was invented. Now, I... It is hard to do I don't get me wrong guys. It's it's so so easy with everything being so close to us And it's just all I have to do is be on my phone. It's right here But guys if you really want to sleep better if you really want to improve these areas of your life These are changes you have to make and the way I look at it and it's I call it the uncomfortable truth But and if you're not willing to make these changes, you must not really want it so as far as nutrition goes, it's all about your energy expenditure. So, uh, expenditure. So, <laughs> expenditure. Expenditure. So, are, are you burning way more energy than you're taking in through food? Eventually, that's going to catch up with you, if you are. You know, bodybuilders who are prepping for a show, they struggle to have any energy towards the end of their cut. And that's because they're burning as much energy as possible to achieve the most pure physique that they're aiming for. but to them, it's their sport, and to do well in your sport, you have to go to extreme measures, just like in in, in every single sport. That's how it works. Um, for most of you, though, that's not you, and so I call these I call these things the big rocks. I, imagine you have a glass jar; the, these big things will take up the most space. All the supplements and high tech foam rollers and and random stuff; those are just pebbles. The big rocks that will take up most of that jar, so if you're not maximizing it, you're not. You're just filling the jar with little pebbles, and it's not going to get as full. These big rocks sleep and diet and recovery, really, but that's what makes up recovery. If you're not maximizing the big rocks, all of the massage tools and hypervolts and you know massages, they're just not going to do a damn thing for you. Now, if you are maximizing the big rocks, massage tools like, the hypervolt and the Theragun and all that kind of stuff, uh, which is what I swear everyone seemed to have gotten for Christmas, including me. And I love my Theragun. yeah, uh, you know, I, if, if you are maximizing the things like sleep in your diet, then this is going to definitely help you recover even more, but you have to, you have to get the big rocks out of the way first. And then another big one, as far as recovery goes that I admittedly, I don't practice this enough. And actually, um, since I kind of uh, set up this this episode, I've been practicing this more. And I do say it adds a lot of value to my life. But uh, it it can actually add a ton of value to maximize recovery. But it's deep breathing or box breathing, if you've ever heard of it. Uh, if you have an Apple Watch, and, and maybe on Fitbits and Garmins and all this stuff, you may see this one pop up on your wrist constantly. And I know on a Apple Watch, it always pops up. I don't know about the other ones. But it says, breathe i can I can't tell you how beneficial it actually is. When I do focus on it, it's amazing. it's very it's very calming. it's It's proven to heighten performance and concentration while being a powerful, stressful, powerful stress reliever. Box breathing would be when you inhale for four seconds, so through your nose, one, two, three, four, and then you hold it for four seconds, one, two, three, four. And then exhale for four seconds, one, two, three, four. And then as you've exhaled all your air, you hold that for four seconds. And then you repeat the process four times in total. I will say, though, um, while I've been practicing box breathing recently, I, I have practiced breathing in general. And I like the box breathe because it gives me more of a specific routine um, of what to do. But I will say that when I'm in a stressful situation or let's say before a workout, I um, where I need to just kind of, you know, calm my nerves. Let's say it's like a competition or something like that, or, you know, a class workout you want to do really well in. This goes a long ways in helping me prepare. I probably use this one the most at night if I'm struggling to fall asleep. And then, bam, I'm out. I swear. Uh, A big thing with this is breathing is is just make sure you take it through your nose and keep that breath in your belly. So that means you're not going to be breathing through your chest with your mouth open. And this is the most efficient way to breathe. Uh, a way you can incorporate this into your workouts is to do a post-workout. Just grab a mat, lay down, put on some calming music, and focus on breathing. You may get some funny looks. Someone may think that you're just sleeping in the gym, but who cares? Tell them I told you to do this, and uh, they may have no idea who I am, but then you just show them the podcast, right? And then they understand, and then they say, oh my gosh, I'm going to lay on the mat with you, and then you have 50 people on the mat with you uh, working on breathing. So this is a big one. I highly recommend this one, guys, and you know something... Other situations you can practice, you know, deep breathing or box breathing. Uh, I would say before you go take a test, um, before you have an important meeting at work, uh, just situations where you're kind of stressed out about it. Uh, it it's, it's, it's very meditative in a way, um, but I highly recommend it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another podcast. If there's one thing I want you to be able to pull out of this episode is if you're not maximizing the big rocks, sleep and nutrition, then all of these other little recovery methods aren't really going to do too much for you. And that's the massage gun, the uh, massages, the um, melatonin you take because you can't sleep at night. and you know, different things like that. It's not going to help you very much with your recovery unless you're maximizing the the, the big rocks, guys. And um, the reasons why you can't maximize those big rocks, which is you know your screens or your caffeine consumption or your uh, poor diet, things like that. So uh, make sure you maximize that and your recovery will be maximal. Now, if you're still struggling on top of that, I consider that you must be training at a very high volume. You must be an above average athlete or uh, individual or bodybuilder. And at that point, I'll consider you a little bit more self-aware. And the importance of understanding your body at that level is incredibly important. So there comes a point where you're not just rolling through the motions anymore of working out. You're pushing yourself day in and day out to get stronger, to get bigger, to get faster, to get quicker, whatever your goal may be. So as you get to that level, then I would be assuming that you would be maximizing things like sleep and diet at that level is then when you can be incorporating things like massages and guns and, and, and equipment that can help you recover faster. So guys, please, please, please take 30 seconds and leave today's show a five-star review. It helps the show so much just by simply leaving a five-star review. It gets it out there. It shows it that it's trending on Apple Podcasts and uh it can happen. I mean, we can make this happen. I, I, I have faith in you guys. I've done my work. I've given myself a five-star review. All I ask is that just one person does it every single week and we'll be at a high number. And I'm looking to meet that goal that I set in 2020 to get a hundred reviews. So uh, until next time, guys, I hope you guys have a great, great rest of your week your day and uh, be on the lookout for next week's ap- episode.